Well, thank you for that very warm welcome. And, um, and thank you for deeming it necessary, but it's always good to be loved and received. And I bring love and greetings from your family at Every Nation Cape Town. And, and we are the sending church many years ago when the first couple came to our plant this church, Gavin and Mary Swanepoel, who are part of our church. In fact, Wendy, my wife Wendy, um, and I were leading the pastorate in the southern suburbs where they were the area leaders. And they had that vision. We honor them for that pioneering spirit and, and sowing the gospel seed into this fertile soil here in KwaZulu-Natal and the campuses in particular. Uh, can we say amen to that? And, um, and it really is a joy to work with this cluster and work with tremendous leaders. Um, you know, my oversight role is really only in a supplementary role to the oversight of the local eldership teams. And it's an honor to, to just connect with the elders here and, um, and to work with you. And, and I think it's a great thing that you've done. Um, the whole nation, in fact, it's gone global now, is talking about what happened here two, the last two weeks. You know, Romans, Paul writes to the Romans, he says, the whole world, since I heard of your faith, the whole world is, is talking about it. And, and I want to say the same. People are talking about the faith of every nation Durban to host such a significant thing. And not just to host it, but to be part of it, to be part of the outreach and, and just express that, that value of evangelism, the love for lost people so well. And may that fire just burn brighter and, and go to many other churches and many other regions. So you can give yourselves a big round of applause. Well done. We brag on you. We honor you. And um, I, also, I really want to honor this team, this eldership team, this, um, the executive team, the staff here who are carrying this church during the time of your senior pastors being on sabbatical. And that's not for the faint-hearted and this is a great church. You know, we believe, we believe church is not about one person or one couple or the lead couple. It's, a, it's about the ministry of every believer. Can you say amen to that? And I think times of sabbatical are important times of rest and time out. So we're not defined by our job. We're not defined by what we do. We're defined by our relationships, relationship with God. And, and that we can finish strong. We're in it for the long haul. And so these are good things that we are practicing as a culture in our in our family and i was privileged to go on a sabbatical six years ago in fact i'm due for my next one coming up next year so um, we try and encourage all our full-time ministers every seven years you're due for a sabbatical and this one for wayne and trisha was overdue and um, so we're glad that they were eventually able to take it so can i just pray for the the eldership team here and the executive team and also for wayne and trisha can we do that do you mind if we if we just join hands Let's just agree together in prayer. Father, I just want to pray a blessing over the leaders in this church. We just honor them. We thank you for their faithfulness, their commitment to you, O oh God, to the people. And, and Lord God, you have strengthened this team. You've enlarged the faith of this team and this church. And Lord, we pray that it would increase. And even in this time of sabbatical of the senior couple, Lord, we, we're just so blessed to have such quality Leaders of character, of such depth. And Lord, we also pray for Wayne and Tricia right now, Lord, as they come to the, the latter part of their sabbatical. Lord God, finish the good work that you have begun in them. Lord, refresh them and their whole family. Lord, we just pray as they come back from a sabbatical, there would be a fresh grace upon their life. Fresh anointing. Lord God, fresh wisdom. And we pray, Father God, that you would you know, just use them to... to Plot wisely the new season ahead for this church, for the gifts and callings of every person. In Jesus' name we pray. Can you say amen? amen. Well, it's a real blessing for me to kick off um, a series that I understand we are doing here on our mission and our values. And for those of you who are familiar with the Every Nation family, we have as our global mission this beautiful statement that many of us as local churches around the world um, incorporate. Some of them actually just use it as our local church mission statement. In Cape Town, we, we use this as our global statement. We have a slightly different version locally. And so each church works that out with their own eldership team. But, but it's good for us across the movement. I'm glad that you guys have decided to do this as well, to affirm what are the main things. And so the statement is to honor God 
by establishing Christ-centered, say Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, and socially responsible. And then it goes on to say churches and campus ministries in every nation. Now, you don't have to keep saying it. I mean, those three things. So those three, Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, socially responsible, that's the kind of churches and campus ministries we want to see established. And and your leaders are going to unpack this a bit over the next few weeks, and it's a joy for me to kick this off. Okay, and I'm going to focus on those first two words up there. Okay, can you see them? Sorry, not the first two, sorry, the 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 fourth and the fifth word. Okay, Why, we exist too, and that where the phrase starts, to honor God. So I'm going to focus on the honoring God here today and tie it in with some of the values that we hold dear as well. And, and let me say that throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, that, um, that the honor of God is the goal. It was the goal of Christ. It was the goal of the first people God brought into the world. It's the goal of the last. This is why we exist. The honor of God is something that we need to pursue. The honor of God is something God wants to see in our private lives. He wants to see it in our studies. Any students here today? God wants to be honored in your studies. God wants to be honored in your career. Any people in the workplace here today? Anyone? Okay. God wants to be honored in the family. That's why it says, honor your mother and your father. And it's all, it's reflecting on God. And the honor of God needs to come out in the home. God wants to be honored where we come, where we go. Not just in a meeting like this, but even more when we go in our different communities and our different places of, of moving around and living and being. God wants to be honored. So just some scriptures to get our bearings here. In Revelation 4 verse 11, it says, and, and these, these angels say this over and over. I'm just choosing a couple of examples. They say to, about Jesus, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. In Revelation 5 verse 12, it says, In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And right through to the, the end, the very last scripture in Revelation 21, it says, it says, on no, and it's speaking about the new Jerusalem. It talks about once the, the, the old has passed with old heavens and the old earth are wrapped up and the new heavens and the new earth have come to pass. And this is what it says. It says, on no day will its gates ever be shut. There will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If it isn't, don't leave today until we've had a chance to pray for you and lead you to Christ so that your name can be written in the Lamb's book of life. Because God is going to take the honor of all our lives into that new Jerusalem. He's going to take the honor of the nations and the amazing thing about this thing, honoring God, is, you know, God, God doesn't need our honor. He's, he's, even the rocks will cry out and worship Him if we don't. He doesn't need it. He is, he, His very nature commands it. So He doesn't, He doesn't say, oh, please will you worship me, or please will you give me honor. He is just the one, the supreme, the amazing, faithful. He's not a man that he should lie. He is worthy of all glory and power. He is invincible. He is glorious. He is the one who said, let there be light. And there was light. He is the creator. He is the conqueror as we were singing today. And, and so he just, he commands our honor. But the amazing thing is though he doesn't need it, he wants it. He chooses to want it from us. He, because he wants us to be included. He wants us to be part of his family. He wants us to have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so it is not something we should take lightly. And, and when, we, 
We have an amazing worship team. I just honor the worship team again today. Just beautiful, authentic songs. Just the heart of this church, just to worship God. Just keep going, guys. You're doing a great job. And, and that, that worship, the heart of worship is, is, is the heart of giving honor to God. God, you are first. We all humble ourselves before you. Um, but, but that is not the end of worship. <laughs> That's just the beginning. That's just one expression of worship. Worship can never end. Worship is not something we, we finished a few minutes ago now, and now we're going into the Word. No, we are, we are still worshiping God right now. We're worshiping God by honoring His Word. And when we leave today, we're going to have some fellowship first and some coffee and and I trust God is honored by the quality of coffee that is made. <laughs> okay, I couldn't resist that. Okay. But do you know, we are able to honor God with everything. The way we drive away from here or walk to catch a taxi, I pray that God will be honored by the way we do that. And what we do after this, may God be honored. And how we go to bed tonight, may God be honored. And who we go to bed with tonight. May God be honored. That, that's worship. That's authentic worship. When all our, when our, of our heart, our thoughts, our actions are aligned with what we just sang in those songs. When the music fades and all is stripped away. That's. It's not about the music and the song. It's about the life that we live. It's about what that, the words of that song, if, when they're an authentic expression of the life I'm living. Oh, let me tell you. Heaven is opened. The Spirit of God comes down and invades this place. And God is pouring out His Spirit here. And so it's, and that's not the job of one or two people. That is the job of every single one of us. It's not the job of this leadership team to honor God. It's the job of every member of this church to say, this is our goal. We're going to make this number one before anything else, that God would be honored in this church by the lives we live, the relationships and all that we do. Can you say amen? amen. Paul writes to Timothy. And he, he reminds him of this. He says, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And then at the end of his first letter to Timothy in chapter 6, verses 14 to 16, he gives him this charge. He says, fight the good fight. He says, you be pure. Avoid religiosity. You know, be, pursue, uh, flee sexual immorality. Be pure in heart and deed. And then he says, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor. To him be honor and might forever. So when we say honor God, that's what we mean. We're saying those words of our, of our founding fathers, those words of the Pauls in our movement, who are saying, keep fighting the good fight of faith. Keep doing what the word says you must do without compromise. P keep pressing into the call of God in your life. Do not give up. Do not be discouraged. That's what the honor of God means. Okay, are you with me here today? I'm just getting warmed up. Okay. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that we are to honor God with our bodies. And the context there is one of sexual immorality. And this is a massive issue for us today. In, a, in this generation, in many generations, before us and, and the currently and after us. And, and this is such a vital area for us to, to disciple. On our campuses today, let me tell you, sexual immorality is just... Uh, a free for all. It's, and it's, it's the culture. It's the, it's seen as the norm. So to say, no, I'm going to be a virgin. And I'm, I'm going to wait until I'm married. I want to honor God in my sex life. That is, it should be a normal statement. But in the cult, in the culture, in the context of today, it's a radical statement. And it offends people. And it rubs up the wrong way. But we have to say that God asks 
that we honor Him with our bodies. And we have got to make the, the honor of God our goal and our pursuit. And when we are married, then we've got to say it's not, it's not over now. Now we keep honoring God with our bodies in marriage. Amen? Now th- that's a whole sermon series in itself. But th- we cannot, we've got to make the link with this. You know, Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So the honor of God is application in, in every area of our life. And this is an important one. You know, another way, another phrase that's quite key in the Bible where you remember the story of Achan? Joshua comes and he, he says to Achan, he says, he says, Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Now remember what Achan did? Achan, he committed a sin. He stole some of the goods that were not his to take. So he committed theft. And it was also secrecy. It was like he was hiding it. He hid the treasure in his own tent. And Joshua comes and he says, Achan, come clean. Achan, honor God. Honor God. The life that honors God is a life that doesn't bury forbidden things in our private lives. Amen. The life that honors God says, I'm an open book. I'm an open book. Just here I am accountable. I want to walk in the light as he is in that. That's the life that honors God. But the main scripture I want to come is in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Can we turn in our Bibles there? 1 Samuel 2. And there's one of my favorite phrases about the honor of God is in verse 30 of 1 Samuel chapter 2. But can we just get the context there? Is that okay? So if you've got your physical Bible, open it with me. 1 Samuel 2, that's in the Old Testament. That's a bit before Psalms and Proverbs, okay? If you use the electronic version, okay, Bible apps, okay? Open it up. Is there free Wi-Fi here? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, are you with me? 1 Samuel 2. I want you just to, to look at these verses from verse 27 to verse 30. But in verse 30, let's start there. It says, those who honor me, I will honor. And that the context is important here. It says, now a man of God came to Eli and said to him, this is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors, family, when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestor out of all of the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, and to wear an ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestor's family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribed for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel. Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever, but now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. Okay, now you can read around that. This is the whole story of Eli and his sons. And if you remember the story of Samuel, um, Samuel, Samuel's mom, um, she was barren and she said, God, if you will give me a son, I will dedicate it to him. And then God gave her a son and she gave Samuel to the Lord. And Samuel was set apart. He became a, the, a prophet. And, and Eli was, was a prophet who lost his way. And Eli's sons, he was a priest and his sons were supposed to be priests, but they, they lost their way and they departed from what they were meant to do. In fact, the Bible actually tells us that they were, they were sleeping with, with the woman at, who were ministering at, the, at the, the, the gates of the temple. So they were committing gross acts of sexual immorality at a place that should have been the holiest place. So what a, a grievous offense to God. So they, they really had got totally lost in, in their understanding of holiness and purity. And, and then what they would do is they would do this thing where the, 
the, the Old Testament requirements was that um, as the people brought offerings, they would use this, um, this, this fork type thing um, because the offerings would be boiled and, and then a certain portion of these offerings were, were taken as food for the priests who lived there at the temple. But then they, they, they kind of didn't like, but there was a way God allowed it. The people would bring offerings, most of it would be consumed in honor of God. And then the priests would take a portion, which is a, a random way of taking some of, of that away. But what they did is they thought they looked at all these lovely um, animals, the lambs, and oh, just, you know, roast lamb and all these beautiful meals that they could have. And they began to corrupt the system. They said, no, 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 before we sacrifice it, because boiled meat is not the best. There's, we, we've got this other way of preparing food, you know, on the, on the grill and the brine. I mean, yeah. You know, Nando's hadn't been invented yet, but <laughs> they had, they knew that if they could have their own way of doing it, they could have a, a nice meal. <laughs> and so they intercepted the offerings and they looked at all what is brought and they took the best for themselves. And they gave God the leftovers. So sexual morality, corruption in the church, okay, the Old Testament church. I mean, this is bad day. This is a backslidden day. And in this day, Samuel gets born. But before Samuel comes into the scene, this word comes to Eli and his sons to say, If you honor God, I will honor you. And you see, God is jealous for his honor. Even though he doesn't need it, he wants it. And when he doesn't get it, the fire of God will burn. Now, Eli and his sons were destroyed because they didn't listen to this rebuke. They didn't re- repent of their ways and say, okay, God, we have lost our way. We are dishonoring you. We are honoring ourselves instead of you. God should get the best. Amen. God should have his allotted portion. And if he allows us to have, then we receive that with gratitude, with contentment. That's the way it should work, not the other way around. But I find, I don't know about you, but I find there's this thing in my life called selfishness man what is it every time it just manifests i want to be honored first and i always every day on different occasions always have to say okay lord i humble myself god i want to put you first that's something i i never grow out of i mean i wish i could say man that was conquered and never had an issue with that again (laughs) i don't know you Every new stage of life, become a parent and kids start growing up. And we're we delighted to have four children. And we're also having a season shift now. Our eldest is at first year university and she's studying law at UCT. And so it's a change in, in, in scenes. But when our children were born, man, I, I thought I was doing quite well. I thought I was quite a faithful husband. I was quite an unselfish person. So honoring God with my life. But when those kids arrived, boy, did I realize how selfish I still was. And when they started to demand my time, and I said, okay, what does honoring God look like as a father? Because I, I wanted to go and play golf. I wanted to go and escape from this demand of time and energy and changing nappies and, and walking up and down the passageway, trying to get children back to sleep when they had colic and... And I remember one night with our firstborn, and she had a terrible colic, and she was crying and screaming, and I just held her, I just held her, and I started praying in the spirit, praying and praying, and, and I'm, I'm impatient and tired, I want to go to bed, it's way past bedtimes, and, and then God spoke to me so clearly, he said, remember when she was born? And I thought back, I thought, yeah, and I remembered the story, she nearly died in her, in her arrival, because she didn't breathe. That, that, you know, you know, the baby is born and then they want to hear the cry. You know, it's so that there's oxygen in the lungs. Well, she, Rebecca didn't cry. And the doctors all looked. I mean, they, the medical people and those amongst us who are medical know they have this thing called the Akbar scale. And she got three out of ten. After, after eight minutes, she got two out of ten on arrival. So that's crisis. They all looked at each other. I could see them. I was in there with the, the green, you know, bib and all you know that stuff and and i could see the eye contact the body language this was a crisis it was almost like one doctor left for mother all the other doctors onto this baby save its life and they quickly i was just thankful that there were these experts around and they took her put her on the bed you know a little mini icu tube down 
getting the lungs inflated, breathing, and a few minutes later, she was crying. And it took quite a few minutes for them, the Akbar rating to go up again <laughs> and for the, you know, the tone of her skin and, and all her vital signs to be shown healthy. And, and thank God that she's a healthy child. Thank God that she's alive and with us. And so when I was walking up and down complaining to God about you know, how challenging this was and how much I needed my sleep, when he asked me, remember when she was born, I held her and, I, and she was still crying. I'm holding her like, why don't you stop crying? And, and I remember saying, you know what? That sign, that sound is a beautiful sound. Because she didn't, have, didn't make that sound when she was born. And suddenly my whole issue, issue and struggle with selfishness went out the window. And I just had joy. I said, she's alive. And I said, my girl, cry as much as you want. Just make a noise. Just come on, let the neighbors hear that you are alive. So it's, it's all about perspective, isn't it? I, I want to share a couple of other stories with you. And the one comes from this very verse in, in Samuel about honoring God. Okay, and can we get that media clip ready on um, Eric Liddell? Okay, so this is a story about um, a famous Olympian. I don't know if you've heard of Eric Liddell. He's a, it's quite an old story. He won gold medal in 1925 at the Paris Olympics. Have you heard of the movie Chariots of Fire? Okay, a good 80s movie. <laughs> um, I don't know if it got an Academy Award. Someone's playing the tune now. Okay, Yeah, so it's quite a, a well-known tune. Um, but do you know that he was the son of missionary parents who dedicated their lives to follow the gospel or the, the call of God that to take the gospel to... Um, to China. And they didn't like the fact that he was a runner. He was fast growing up. He used to win all the school athletics events. He was just an amazing, I mean, most of Scotland were hearing about it. So he's going to win the Olympics one day. And, and, and he had this a little side story was his sister and his whole family, in fact, put pressure on him to give up athletics, to, to go with them as a missionary family to China. And he wrestled with this. And he, he, and he had this one moment with his sister. He says, they said, but and I think her name was Jenny. He says, Jenny, because he's saying, but this is, this is a worldly pursuit. The Olympics, gold medals, you know, this is worldliness. You've got to give up worldliness to really honor God. And, and so he says, he says, but Jenny, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. See, what his sister and his family didn't understand is that Eric Liddell was honoring God by running. He wasn't running for a worldly pursuit of a medal. Now, many other people were, but not him. And it's proved by the story, because before we play this clip, and the clip shows the actual, okay, it's a remade, obviously, um, the actual footage, I don't know if it's is available, but it, this is 1925, or, yeah, 1924, pardon me. He was called the Flying Scotsman, okay? But did you know that his main event wasn't the 400 meters? Did you know his main event was the 100 meters? Now, we all know this wonderful story of Wade van Nickak. I mean, yo, he's a legend. He comes down from just down the road from where I live, you know? And we just love him there in all of South Africa, most of the world. When he broke that record at Barcelona, at least at um, Rio, it was... World news. It wasn't just South African news. The South Af- I mean, he didn't just break the record. He shattered it. 400 meters. I mean, the second place athlete wasn't even in the frame at the finish line. Well, I mean, and, and do you know that Wade is a, is a Christian? Wade has also made it his goal to honor God. On, on his, on his um, sponsored boots. It's very fine for it because, he's, you know, he can get into a lot of trouble for using logos that are too visible and making political religious statements. But right in the fine print. He, he, he wrote this little statement when he, in that race. He said there, Jesus, I'm all yours. Use me. Small, little. And so, when, you know, with that record sign and him standing there, they took a photo and, and they asked and he had his shoes in his hand and, and they zoomed in. And, and that's become, I don't know if you saw that in social media, but it kind of went around. And so here's another man who said, I will honor God. With Eric, back to Eric's story, 
the 100 meter heats were running on a Sunday. And his convictions were that you don't participate in sport on a Sunday. Sunday is a Sabbath. And this is, I want to worship God in, in the ways, by going to church, by, I mean, he was a lay preacher. And so he's on the boat from England to, to France. And the word comes up, have you seen the schedule? Have you seen the schedule? Your heat is on Sunday. Long story short, um, the Prince of England himself, the British Olympic Committee, all pressurized Liddell. Said, you're going to run this heat. I don't care what you think about the Sabbath. You're going to run this. And he said, I'm not. He said, I'm not in it for a medal. I would love to run. I've trained so much of my life. My family is upset with me for even doing this thing. But... But not on a Sunday. On Sunday, I'm going to church. I'm going to find a local church. I think it was a Presbyterian church in Paris. And I'm going to go with other believers. And we're going to worship God together. That's what I do on Sundays. I don't run in the Olympics. If you're faced with the equivalent today, would you do the same? How strong are your convictions of the principles that you say are true, that are that that, that show the honor of God? Again... He who honors God, God will honor. Because I'm glad the story didn't end there. And he went home and, and we probably all would have forgotten about him. It probably would have been a massive sacrifice that him and his family knew about, but not the whole world. But God decided to use this man. And, and the guy who ran in the 400 meters hurdles, won silver medal, who qualified for the 400, he, he said, look, my place in the 400 meters I'm willing to give up for you. I heard the story about you. He was on the same British team. He said, I'll give you my place. So he went and he said, okay, thank you, because it wasn't on a Sunday. <laughs> he ran the heats, and this is, this is a reenactment of the final. Can we play it? The final of 400 meters. Taylor, Etat Numéro Good. Don't expect our seeds after the race. It's a deal with this guy Little, coach, you problem? No problem. He's a flyer. He's had two races today already. He'll die. Just swing along, you guys, and wait. After 300 meters, rigor mortis sets in. You'll pull him in on a rope. Johnson, Canada. Good luck, Taylor. Watch out for a little. Coach says no problem. He's got something to prove, something personal. Something guys like Coach will never understand in a million years. says in the old book, he that honors me, I will honor. Good luck, Jackson Schultz. That was not the race that he was born to run. That was the warm-up. The race that he was born to run was to go and be a missionary to China. And this is the story that they didn't tell in the movie. After winning that gold medal, he got on a boat and joined his family in China. And he preached the gospel for 21 years. In 1937, when Japan invaded China and committed atrocities building up to the Second World War. Most missionaries fled back to their homes in Europe. Eric Liddell stayed. Eric Liddell remained faithful to the gospel. He was arrested. He was tortured. He was imprisoned. He died in a concentration camp in 1945. 
he was faithful to Jesus Christ, faithful to the gospel. He did not run from adversity. He kept running the race that was far more important than that physical race. When he died and news of his death reached Scotland, the whole of Scotland mourned his passing. Let's run the race in a way that honors God. Can you say amen to that? I've got to share another Olympic story with you. This is one of my favorite Olympic stories. It's the story of Derek Redmond. Again, a true story. And I've got a media clip as well for you, if we could get that ready. Because sometimes we think honoring God is always about winning. I've got to be the first. or I've got to be the best. or I've got to win the gold medal. But let me tell you, it's not, it's not just about what you accomplish. And, and let me tell you, it's great to win first and whatever and give that to God authentically. Um, but it's not, it's not just about what you accomplish. It's how you get there. It's how you compete. And, and the scripture says here in 3 John 1 verse 6, it says in, in the letter of John, he says, they have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way. In a manner that honors God. That's 3 John 1 verse 6. So it's, it's not just honoring God with what we achieve. But it's, it's doing things. Doing life. Doing studies. Doing business. Uh, doing family. Doing church. In a way that honors God. We don't have to win the gold medal of churches here in Durban. Or the gold medal in South Africa. No, we're, not in, that's, we're not competing. We're running a race along with many others. They're also running races. We're not competing against them. We're running with them. We are cheering them on as they're cheering on. And we're all being cheered on by the cloud of witnesses and by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who ran the race set before him, who endured the, the, the cross, who despised the shame, and who finished his race, who sat down at the right, right hand of the throne of God. Now, now, yes, he won the gold of all gold medals. He got the victor's crown and he passes it on to all of us. But it's how he ran his race that is as important as what he accomplished in his race. So here's a man who, Derek Redmond, who also competed. And he competed in the Seoul Olympics of 1988 and tore his Achilles tendon in the, the build-up. Uh, I think it was in one of the heats. He had to withdraw... Ten minutes before the race because of an injured Achilles tendon. So four years later, so he goes back and him and his dad had this, and I love the part of his story is his relationship with his dad and the honor of God that comes out in this relationship. And he, they go back from disappointment, 1988, Seoul Olympics. And what are we going to do? And they thought, should we call it quits? This Olympic goal maybe is just too much. And he says, no, dad, I want to compete again. I've got 92 we're going to do it again. And he trains. He gets healed from his injury. Um, Barcelona is the city. 1992. Thirsting for a medal. His father's name is Jim, as always, is in the stands. And they had agreed before the race that no matter what happens, he would finish the race. And this is the semi-final. Now, this is actual footage. Okay, 1992, they've got, like, cameras and things. Or modern cameras. So can we play this one? This is what happens in the race. What I love so much about that, that story is how his father joins him. You see, when you live a life that honors God, God will honor you. No matter what you go through, even if you stumble, even if you fail, even if you do something that creates a massive setback. In this case, he had no control of it. It was inflicted upon him. In some cases, our setbacks, we inflict upon ourselves. But if we will say, God, I'm not going to sit there with self-pity and shame and say, God, I've, I, we need to honor God in how we respond to setbacks. And I love the way he, he was kneeling down. And, and he could have then said, okay, let me just walk off the track and disappear and privately go and mourn what's happened. But he doesn't. He says, I'm going to finish. The manner in which he ran, I give him the gold medal. I mean, can anyone tell me who won the gold medal in 1992 
at Barcelona in the 400 meters? You'd have to Google it, okay? I mean, you'd really have, you'd have to be quite a scholar to know. But no one knows. But, but how many here have heard of Derek Redmond? Well, well, now you know. You might have heard of him before today. I've known about him a while. But let me tell you, I will never forget Derek Redmond. I will never forget him. You see, God doesn't always use the medalist. The medalist sometimes, because of the medalists who doesn't honor God, the world will forget. But the medalist who honors God, and even the one who tried and didn't meddle, but ran in a way, in a manner that honors God, let me tell you, the world will not forget them. Just because you don't make the podium does not mean God will not honor you. Making the podium is not the only way God honors people. I mean, man's actually quite good at using that to honor people. God looks at that and it's always a debate whether that's honor to God or not. It it depends on the heart of that person, doesn't it? In the case of Derek Redmond, something powerful came out here. A father-son relationship that is so honoring to God. And I see the heart of God the Father here. Can you see that? He's saying, I'm with you. I will be with you. I will, if you get up, if you won't stay down, let me tell you, I'm going to help you finish this race. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so the manner in which we live our lives, if it is a way that honors God, let me tell you, God will honor us. If you build God's house, God will build your house. And, and one more story, another Olympic story, if I may. Um, John Stephen Akari is another one who, you know, the 400 meters is one thing. You know, here yeah, the stadium is filled to capacity. And they, the ovation that, that Derek Redmond got was phenomenal. Not for winning, but for finishing. But for, for the, what happened between father and son here. But with John Stephen Akari, if you haven't heard of him, let me tell you who he is. He competed in the 1968 Summer Olympics in Mexico City. Not in the 400 meters, but in the marathon. And he represented Tanzania. And he, during the race, he fell badly. He cut himself, his knee, and he dislocated his joint. And he had, had a decision to make. Do I quit or do I keep running? And he was, to, it was totally, I mean, debilitating. But he decided, despite his pain, despite his injury, he was going to keep running. He came last, understandably. There were only 57 competitors in those days in the marathon. Um, 74 began the race. 17 failed to finish. But he was not one of them who failed to finish. And when asked, and and then, and and when he finished, the stadium wasn't full. A lot of people had gone home. (laughs) But those who'd remained cheered for this man and cheered him out. It was dark. The sun had set. (laughs) But he said, I, and, and then eventually the word got out and some of the media people waited from there. They heard there's a guy still on, on the road. This race is not over. 56 people have finished, but number 57 is still out there. And they waited. And they couldn't, you know, clothes, pack away and go home. They waited for him. And he kept going, he kept going. And at the end, and they said, why did you, why did you just stop? I mean, we, you're so injured. There's blood all over your leg. And he said, you know what? My country did not send me to Mexico City to start this race. They sent me here to finish the race. He that is last shall be first. If you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you. If you make it your goal to finish what God gives you, no matter what comes your way, not to give up, but to say, Lord, if you want, if you've asked me to do this, I will finish this. Like that country who sent him, we are sent by heaven and we are sent into a career. We're sent, placed in a church. We're sent, placed in a family and we are sent there to bring honor and glory to God. And our job is not done. Amen. We have a race to run, and we've got to finish that race. We've got to keep going with all our heart. And if we'll do that, even if we, in the calculation of the world, even if we are coming last, we will finish knowing that heaven says, he that is last shall be first. I'm going to do part two tonight on um, 
Howard Campus. Okay. So, sorry, that wasn't like a, a an advertorial for you not to go to um, Westville or DUT. Okay, we got three services tonight. Is that right? Okay. Um, but we're going to talk about this and some more stories, some more personal stories as well. And um, I look forward to connecting with some of the students there as well. So, can I ask us to stand? Can we pray together here? Can we just be in an attitude of prayer? Can we just close our eyes and just don't focus, forget about people around you, just focus on God. Lord God, we are, we are men and women here who are gathered in your name, Lord, to honor you. And Lord, I just pray that you would you'd speak to us personally right now. I thank you for what you're doing today. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. But, but God, I want to focus on the personal right now. Lord God, there are, there are things in our lives that you, you need to touch. Lord, there are things in our lives that are not pleasing to you. I believe the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction. As we've heard some of these stories, looked at some of these scriptures here today. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings conviction of sin because He wants to lead us to repentance. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Can you say amen to that? And I believe God is here. He's our Father. Some of us have had setbacks. Some of us have, like Derek in that story, something's happened. And sometimes that's something we've done ourselves. We've done to ourselves. We've allowed by opening a door and done something that does not honor God. Okay, let's just... Okay, let's just not worry about that. Don't worry, it's fine. Okay, just... Okay, let's just... Just focus on God here right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. If you're here today and you're saying, Gareth, there, there's something in my life that is not honoring to God. And I, I want you to lead me in a prayer. I want to pray a prayer of repentance. I want to say, God, let, ask for your help to deal with this thing, to make it right. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Raise your hand right now. If there's something you're saying, I'm convicted today of an area of my life that is not honoring to you. Lord, I don't want it to stay like that. Just raise a hand. Raise both your hands. Maybe as a sign of surrender here today. Okay, thank you for those hands. Thank you. Okay, this is between you and God. You know what it is. And I'm, I'm not going to bring you out to the front here. I want you just to pray a prayer with me. If there's anyone else who needs to join these people, just raise your hands as an act of surrender. Say, Lord, I'll bring you my life here. Okay? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Would you say it aloud with me today? If, even if you say it quietly, just in your heart, just make this your own prayer. Let's say together. Say, Father God, I come to you as I am. And I lift my hands as a sign of surrender. Lord, thank you for speaking to me today. For convicting me of an area of my life that is not honoring to you. And Lord, I repent. Lord, I take responsibility. And I turn my back on anything that dishonors you. And Lord, I ask you for your grace and your forgiveness. I say, forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. And Lord God, would you strengthen me? Lord, would you give me conviction and backbone? Lord, that I can live in this area of my life in a way that honors you. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. And Lord, I, I want to pray right now for these people. Lord, that's a, that's a heartfelt prayer we've prayed. I thank you that you hear our prayer, Lord. 
I thank you, Father, for your, Lord, that's the principles, Lord, the, like Eric Liddell's story, that conviction he had over a principle. Lord, to honor you. Lord, even when culture is saying it's fine, even when other people, but what, that's not such a big deal. Lord God, if you say it's a big deal, then it's a big deal. And Lord, I thank you for just a, strength, a straightening of backs right now. Lord, where the backbone has got a bit crooked. Lord, right now in the spirit, Lord, there's a straightening. There's a strengthening right now. Lord God, I thank you for just virtue. I thank you for honor. Lord God, honor in, in finances, honor in sexuality, honor in private thoughts, Lord. Honor in relationships, God. Uh, Lord, I thank you for honor, Lord, in the way we raise children. Honor in the way we love our spouses. Lord God, restore honor in our lives. And God, may we be a people that honor you. May we be a people that, that bring you glory. May we be a people, God whose light shines in such a way before men that when they see our deeds, Lord, they too give you glory. So can we all just, just raise our hands here today? Can we? Lord God, I want to pray over this church a blessing. Lord, I pray. Lord, your word says of us as your people, as this church, God, that we are the light of the world. And I thank you for the light of this church that is shining. But I say, Lord, let it shine brighter. Let it shine brighter, Father. Add more fuel to the fire in the hearts of your people here today. Lord, let the fire and the light of this church be a light that will, that will light up the city. That will light up the campuses. That will light up the nation, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you believe God is answering that prayer, can we give him praise here today? Can we just give him a shout out? Just give him glory, give him praise. Come on, let's praise his name.